0: What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on an all new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the questions I get asked most frequently over the course of the past three to four years, no matter what I'm doing, and seriously, no matter what I'm doing, I could be in the gym, I could be on a date, I could be doing a podcast for someone else, I could be at a speaking engagement hosting a networking event of our own. This is one of the most frequent questions I get. Are you ready for it? Matt, how did you get started speaking? And or, Matt, how did you scale your current speaking business to get to where it is today, speaking from state to state nationwide? Listen, I don't necessarily think my particular journey in that realm is something that I could say, hey, you need to do something from A to Z to be able to do this. I just don't feel like my unique journey is necessarily categorizable in that aspect. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to help you, which is exactly why today's episode is for all individuals that are looking to grow and or start their speaking business, but I don't want that to scare anyone away because you're also going to be able to find things within this episode that are going to help you overcome possibly your fear of public speaking or, hey, maybe pique your interest into starting public speaking. At the end of the day, we all have a very unique journey, and within that journey, we all have stories, we all have experiences, we all have things of that nature which will be able to revolutionize other people lives that is exactly why I personally started speaking and today's guest our friend Grant Baldwin speaker podcaster author entrepreneur and all-around quote-unquote normal dude trying to make a little dent in the world and I'm gonna tell you one thing he's making a lot lot bigger of a dent than he knows just because he's hopping on this podcast to help you getting your speaking career started and or leveling up your current speaking business now grant hasn't only been able to do this for himself he's been able to do it for countless, and I seriously mean countless, amounts of individuals that have bought his book, visited his website, hopped on his speaking engagement, or became a client of his. Seriously, Grant has the keys to leveling up and or getting your speaking career started, so I am really, really excited to dive into this episode. It would not be possible, though, without our partners over at Acadium, who have been providing us here at 1B Branding, the Decoding Success Podcast, many of our listeners with remote marketing interns that will help you level up your business. Now hey, here's an idea. If you are looking to get your speaking business started and or level up your current speaking business, Acadium is one way to do it at an effective and affordable rate. Seriously, you'll be placed or you'll be able to find a remote marketing intern that will be able to do so many amazing tasks for you, whether that's creating content and or reaching out on your behalf, whatever the case is, whatever you need, I highly suggest you checking out Acadium. You could do so through the link in the show notes of this episode. Now, without further ado, we bring to you Grant Baldwin. Grant, first and foremost, super excited to have you on here today, ready to decode your success. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you letting me hang out with you, man. This will be fun. A hundred percent. So listen, we start off the show every single interview just like this. It's a loaded question right out of the gate, but that really sets the tone for our audience and our conversation today. So I want to know, how do you personally define success?
1: Yeah, I think success certainly is a very uh, can be very subjective um, in terms of of what it is someone's wanting to accomplish, what it is someone's want, what it is that someone's wanting to do. I think ultimately for me, success looks like being able to to live a life and run a business uh, by my own terms, freedom, flexibility, autonomy. Like those things are really really valuable uh, and important to me. Uh, in addition, that. Uh, one of the things that we I, I speak about from, from time to time is the idea that who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning that uh, you know if you and I are great entrepreneurs, if we're great speakers, if we're great podcasters, if we're great fill in the blank. But if we drop the ball as you know husbands, fathers, mothers, daughters, wives, you know uh, humans, like we're just this shell of a person, then we're doing it wrong. So uh, it's really important to me to be successful as a, as a as a as a entrepreneur, but it's even more, it's even more important for me to be successful as a, as a, uh, as a husband, as, as a father.
0: Right. I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing that. So let's break that down. How were you able to, and how are you, right? Cause this is, you know, we're all works in progress. We're all continuously striving for our greatest potential. So how are you continuously finding ways to create that freedom and that flexibility and that autonomy in your life?
1: Well, I think a lot of it comes down to just beginning with the end in mind. So I think uh, it's easy for people to uh, to, to start taking, st- to start creating like a, a business or to, to go down some type of career path without thinking through, you know, a few steps down the line of like, okay, let's play this out. Like if this works out how I would like it to work out, uh, what's this going to lead to? Is this going to be what I what I want to ultimately have? So one of the things I've always been really intentional about in our business, so I, I run a, a training company called the Speaker Lab where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. Uh, and for that, it's I really enjoy what we do. We have a great team. we have a lot of people, but I'm also really, really intentional that I don't want to create a business that's going to run my life. Uh, and so we've been uh, we really think through the decisions that we make, the opportunities that we take that we don't take. we say no to a lot of things that are good opportunities. and I know that there are things that we're doing that is leaving money on the table or things that we're not doing that's really leaving money on the table that we could capitalize on. but Again, I want to be really intentional about uh, about creating something that creates that freedom and uh, the autonomy, and not something that
0: I feel tied to. Otherwise, I'm just I'm creating a job for myself. So let me ask you this. You mentioned beginning with the end in mind. Now, I mean, I'm going to speak from my own experience here. I'm guilty of this myself, which is why I'm going to say it this way. Oftentimes, I personally think about the end way too much, right? And I'm not necessarily in love with the journey of getting from, let's just say, point A to point Z, for lack of a better term here. So, what's your advice? in regards to keeping the end in mind, but not letting it be all you think about to the point where you are not necessarily happy until you get there.
1: Yeah. So I think you have to enjoy the journey because the the reality is, is we're all figuring it out as we go. Uh, and I think part of the, part of the fun is, uh, is, is trying to build something is trying to, is the journey itself. So I'll give an example. I remember, um, I'm, I remember hearing, a. a Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talked about this one time, you know, one of his big goals is to buy the Jets, the New York Jets, the football team. And uh, he was saying that someday when I have the opportunity to buy the Jets, it will simultaneously be the best day and the worst day of my life. And what he meant by that is that, uh, you know, I, I check the box, I accomplish the thing. But it's also like, uh, it's also somewhat of a, a letdown of like, okay, now now what do I work towards? Now what do I do? You know, um, it's kind of like one of the things that our, our family really values is we value trips and vacations and experiences. And and as much of the value from the experience, uh, being the experience itself, but also talking about it and all the, the fun and excitement leading up to it. Uh, and so it's it's almost like when when you do the thing, it's almost like, okay i checked it checked the box like that's that's what i was intending to do but it's like oh i don't have anything to look forward to nothing that i'm striving towards so uh, so that's part of the that's part of the the fun of entrepreneurship that's part of the fun of business is having that thing that you're building towards having that thing that you're working towards that you know like i am looking forward to the destination but i really enjoy the journey like that's that's the as much a, a, of what it's about as anything
0: Right. I love that. Now, earlier in this episode, you mentioned something along the lines of who you are is greater than what you do. So I need to, you know, ask you this question in regards to how do you personally not get so consumed with what you're doing that it doesn't affect who you are as a person, right? Because we could just as entrepreneurs, as business people, as speakers, authors, podcasters, corporate workers, whomever, nurses, physical therapists, whatever the case is, we can get so consumed with our hustle that we don't even realize the effects it's having on on our environment around us, whether that's our people, our relationships, our whatever, right? So I'm, I'm curious, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the the reality is, is like uh, at the end of the day, I'm still human too. So if I have a great day, right. you know, in the, in the company that, um, you know, we have a good day of sales or we, you know, something went well, um, then uh, it, it it certainly may affect my mood that the rest of the day or if that night or if things suck or, you know, whatever happens, uh, and I just have an off rough, frustrating day, which also happens. Like I'm, I'm human too. And it, so as much as I want to be able to, to compartmentalize that, some days I'm good at that, some days I'm not. I think a big part of it, though, is just being self-aware of, of recognizing, like, is is this that I'm doing, whether, again, that's a, working for a company or starting your own thing, uh, being self-aware of, like, is how much of my, my mental bandwidth, how much of my space, how much of, of, of my life is this thing taking over and consuming? I think another good question for anybody to ask is, uh, if you're in the thick of it and it's, and you just feel like, man, I'm, I'm really burning the candle at both ends here, uh, a good question to ask yourself is, is this this a season or is this the way it is? Is this a season or is this the way it is? Meaning if it's a season, like you can ride that out, there's going to be busy season. So for example, right now at the moment we're, we're recording this, like uh, I'm in the thick of a, of, of a book launch, and there's a there's a lot going on with that. We're doing a lot of podcast interviews, we're doing a lot of promotion, and, and doing a lot for the to promote the book. But I also recognize it's a season. Like it's not always like this. You know, if you are if you're an accountant, if you're a, a, uh, in the in the tax world, you know, like uh, leading up to April fifteenth every year is going to be busy. But it's not always like that. You just know it's that that season or that stretch. If you're in retail, you know that November December are just going to be really 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 busy. Uh, so you just have to recognize like is this a season or is this the way it is? Because if it's a season, then, you know, like, okay, it's just going to be, it's going to be uh, chaotic it's going to be hectic for a minute but it, it's going to be all right like i know right now that the dust is going to settle in a few weeks and we will be back to regularly scheduled programming but uh, if it's like oh no this is the way it is then you have to recognize like okay i need to make some changes here the path that i'm on here is leading me to a destination that i don't want to be in uh, in terms of like the the amount of work or the stress or the how it's affecting my health or r- my relationships uh, so you have to be self aware uh, on that stuff and be able to make decisions that if it's leading you to a destination that you don't want to be and you you ultimately have to, to make some decisions to course correct.
0: Right. I love that. I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Now, you know, you mentioned the book. We're going to talk about that a little later. But you also mentioned the fact that you're doing a whole bunch of podcasting and things of that nature. So I'm just going to come out right out of the gate with this question. What's a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Hmm.
1: Good one. Um... Well, I would say this, like, uh, I can say at this, at this moment, we've got 81 podcast interviews lined up. Uh, wow. we've done, we've done about 55 of them at the, you know, at the time of this recording. Um, and all of them are different, you know, uh, some of them are going to be, you know, t- like this, we're, we're talking more on success and some of them, they want to talk more about family and some, they want to talk more about speaking and, and everything in between. So, uh, I don't know, like there's, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed, Literally, like all, all the shows, I think have been a, a lot of fun. They Each kind of have their own unique angle and twist to it. So, yeah, um, I don't. There's not a question that comes to mind. Like, man, nobody ever asked me this, and I wish they would. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I love talking about all the any, any of these things.
0: All right. Awesome. I I had to ask that, you know, um, that's fair. That's fair. You know, mainly because I want to make sure that you enjoy this experience as much as the, you know, the listeners. So I definitely appreciate that. But let's circle back here to your journey. Who was Grant in high school? Was he always a family man? Did he always want to be a speaker or a business person and author, etc.?
1: Yeah. And, uh, in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a really big impact on my life. He was, a, um, uh, my parents went through a divorce when I was in high school. And so he, uh, my youth pastor was, a just big impact and, and helping me and encourage me and, and help me like think that through and process that. And was also a, a phenomenal speaker. And so that was, that really resonated with me. I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to, own a uh, help students the way that he's helped me. And so, uh, I worked, um, uh, actually one of my first careers, uh, my first kind of career role was, was as a youth pastor at a different church. And so it gave me a lot of opportunities to speak and gave me a lot of, you know, at bats and practice and, uh, helped me become a, a better speaker. But yeah, in, in high school, um, that was a, a big thing. It was just, I, w- I was involved in my, in my church. My faith is a, was, and still is like a, a big part of my world. Uh, met my wife. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, we started dating when I was a 15 year old freshman. She was a 17 year old junior. So come on now. Uh, <laughs> got, got myself a cougar there. Um, and and so yeah, I was just uh, I, I I feel like um, I feel like as a as a high school student, like I was I was relatively mature for my age. I had a lot of um, like I was pretty clear on what I wanted to do with my life. Like I said, m- met this girl early on. I was like, "Yep, you're the one. Let's lock this down." Um, and so I, I felt like I was on a you know real clear path of of what I wanted to do.
0: Right. So let me ask you this question in regards to relationships, specifically yours. What was it that stood out about your wife back then that you instantly knew this was the one? Well, I mean, I think it just kind of evolved over time. Cause
1: the, the reality is like when you're, you're 15, uh, and you meet, right. this girl, you're just like, I'm just happy. I'm dating a girl that's two or two years older than me. That's super hot. Uh, so you're not, you know, you're not thinking about, all right, what's, what's our, what's our future look like together? Uh, so I think what, what worked out well from that standpoint is, um, because we had the benefit of meeting so young, we, in some ways we grew up together. We, we shared a lot of life experiences together. When, when my parents got a divorce, you know, she, like, we kind of experienced that together. Her parents got a divorce later and we went through that together. So like, it's one thing if you meet someone when you're, you know, and you're, you're in your 20s or 30s and you're like, Oh, let me tell you about this thing that happened when I was a teenager. It's nothing thing to be like, no, we lived that together, you know? So, um, so I think that that helped a lot of, w- in a lot of ways. Uh, so we just have, we have a long history together. We dated for five years. We got married young. I was 20 when we got married. She was 22. Um, and so at this point we've been together about 23 years. And, um, uh, so it's, it's, I think in some ways we, uh, we got lucky. I think in other ways, um, I think we just, we, we really enjoy being together. We really like each other a lot and, um, have, have kind of figured out life together as we, as we've gone. So it's been a, it's been a, it's worked out really well from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, man, that's beautiful. God bless. I love that. So Grant, let me ask you your first speaking engagement ever. Let's talk about that. What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, my first paid gig. Uh, I spoke at a uh, a conference. Uh, There's a couple hours away. I spoke for about 45 minutes to about 300 people. Uh, I had been doing a lot as a youth pastor, working with high school and college students. And so this very first paid gig was uh, was for uh, was for a high school conference. Uh, and so I spoke for about 45 minutes or so, um, and they gave me a check for for a thousand dollars. And I knew like we we'd contracted on that. We talked about that ahead of time, so I knew it was going to be. But still like when they, when you finish speaking and you're like, dang, that went good. And you, you got people coming up to you, um, you know, telling you how good you did and how much they appreciated it. And you got, I got a standing ovation and then they hand you a check for, for more money than I'd ever seen for, for speaking. I was just like, dang, that's this is a great feeling, you know? So I, I talk about this in the book, but and they hand me that check. I went out to the car in the parking lot and just broke down in tears. I'm like, I, I cannot believe they just paid me $1,000 to do this thing that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, so it was really, it was incredibly fulfilling, incredibly rewarding. And I really just felt like I want to, this is it. Like I want to do this. Uh, and I want to continue to you know have that experience to uh, make an impact and make an income.
0: Let's go a little bit deeper on that. I'm curious. I mean, I've done a bunch of speaking engagements. I'm super grateful. I've been able to speak at a lot of colleges, universities, corporations, things of that nature around the country. But it took me multiple different efforts to finally get that paid gig. So how many gigs were you doing for free before you landed that paid gig? Now, I know you said that you had, um, you know, some relationship with high school students, college students, et cetera. So I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So, um, so if we go back a little bit, so I would say this, like, um, I, I had done a lot of speaking in a couple of different capacities. So for example as a youth pastor uh, I was speaking pretty much on a weekly basis to students right. and so I had a lot of practice doing that and then whenever I left that position uh, for a little while I worked for a school assembly uh, company and uh, I would go out as basically like they gave me there's a bunch of contracted uh, assembly speakers that they had all over the country they would book school assemblies and then they would just send you out on their behalf to present their material and so uh, I I would get paid a little bit to do that. But it was, again, it wasn't like I booked it and I was presenting my, you know, my talk. It was, it was their thing, their event, their, you know, their talk. Um, I also worked for a seminar company with a similar type of model. Like they would, um, they would, uh, book these seminars in different different cities and so I would go around and present those uh, so this this gig this first gig that I, I did I was I kind of described it was my first gig on my own um, and I hadn't really done anything any free things that led up to this but I, d- I did have a lot of practice that led to that uh, through these other opportunities and I think that that's that's the important thing for any speaker is that uh, you there, there's a pros and cons with doing you know free gigs and we can dig into that if you want but um, the way that you become a better speaker is the way that you become better at anything is that you, you, you practice, you do it, you know, the way you become a better uh, speaker as you speak, the way you become a better writer as you write, the way you become better at shooting free throws is you shoot free throws, you know, like you can watch YouTube videos, you can listen to, you know, uh, podcast episodes, you can read blog posts, you know, you can daydream and think about it all, all day long. But at some point, like you have to do the thing to get better at the thing. Uh, and so that's, that's really what, uh, what helped me early on was just a lot of reps, a lot of at-bats in a variety of different capacities that, uh, that helped me to, uh, that helped me to ultimately become a better speaker.
0: Right. I definitely want to dig into those, you know, pros and cons, you know, about free gigs. But before that, I need to ask you do, or did you, and maybe you still do. I mean, I know I still do have a sense of fear when hitting the stage. And the reason I ask is because it, for me at least, it goes away the minute I start talking. It's only in the, um, you know, the moments before I'm on that stage where I start feeling nervous, maybe even slightly lightheaded because anxiety is building up. But, um, you know, oftentimes you hear someone like Tony Robbins say like when you make it about the audience and not about yourself, that takes all of that away. I mean, hey, I've tried that. Maybe I'm just not, you know, Walking the walk in that, I'm I'm talking that, not walking that. But yeah. I'm curious, you know, do you experience that fear? Did you? How did you conquer it, etc.
1: Yeah, I think people use a lot of different terms and phrases to talk about this. You know, fear, nerves, anxiety, excitement. I think uh, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of speakers feel some of that. Um, you feel those emotions, whatever you may call it—you know, the butterflies in the stomach thing. I think the difference, though, is that oftentimes we confuse fear, we confuse nerves, we confuse anxiety with just pure excitement and adrenaline. Right. You know, you think about like some of the high-stakes moments that you've had in life. Like I can think about for me, whenever I proposed to my wife, whenever my daughters were born, whenever I was, you know, going in for like a big job interview or or something like that. Like you feel a lot of those same butterflies. You know, you feel a lot of that same. "Quote unquote" nerves and anxiety and fear, and it's not necessarily like like whenever I'm proposing to my wife and I feel those same butterflies. I'm not worried like she's going to say no. Like thankfully she said yes, it all worked out. But I still feel like this this reaction of like adrenaline, and I think it's your body's reaction to to tell you like what you're doing is important. This moment right now of you getting up on stage and and speaking to this audience, it's significant. It matters. So uh, I think oftentimes we confuse that that feeling of like oh I feel that, therefore I'm I'm terrified. Well I'm not terrified because I've just like you described the, the, the few minutes leading up to, and then I'm backstage, I feel that adrenaline. I feel that churning in my stomach. But as soon as I get up on stage, you know, within a, 30 seconds, a minute, like you settle into a rhythm and off you go and you, you feel good. But it's just the the moment of like leading up to it where you feel like the, man, this is awesome. Like this is, what I'm doing matters. This is important. This is significant. Like this is a big deal. I think you should be more concerned if you don't feel that because it oftentimes right. means that it's a low stakes thing, that you don't care as much, that it's not as big a deal. And you're just like, eh. And what, what, what's dangerous is you can, you can slip into like, going through the motions and just kind of phoning it in uh, versus like feeling like, no, no, like this is a big deal. This is important. I want it. you know, I I don't have to hype myself up for this. I'm already like naturally in the state of uh, excitement and energy going into this.
0: Exactly. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what I honestly left out there. You know, when you feel that it tells you, you care. So I definitely appreciate you, you know, throwing that in there. It's really important. Now, talk to me about The pros and cons of paid gigs. Now, whenever someone asks me for advice, I mean it only comes from my perspective, right? I'm I'm not on a level where I'm getting other people booked or anything like that. I'm just getting myself booked whenever I you know desire really, and um, it's hard for me to give the you know advice or these you know a blueprint based off of someone else or or for someone else. Mainly because my experiences are rather different than everyone else's. Obviously, we're all individuals that have our own experiences. So I personally struggle with this, but when someone asks me about taking gigs for free, I personally don't think there are any cons unless there are a few things in place. So hear me out, Grant. When it comes down to taking a gig for free, I personally always make sure that number one, there's some sort of media related aspect to it in regards to getting some sort of write up, whether that's like a school newspaper, something as small as that. And I don't even want to consider that small Um, There needs to be a photographer videographer there, there needs to be some sort of Allowing me to have a call to action at the end. What's your take on this? I'm really curious. Yeah, so I would say this, and I think you're on the right track there, that um, it's
1: okay to do a free gig as long as you know why you're doing it, meaning don't just do something for free out of the goodness of your heart. So, a way to think about this is um, in the the book E Myth by Michael Gerber, he talks about that, he uses the analogy of someone who is a baker. And he talks about there's a different skill set between someone who's a good baker who makes really good pies and someone who is running a bakery, right? So So, uh, you have to recognize that even though like you you may I love baking pies baking pies is my favorite things in the world, and I just want to give my pies to everyone because I know how much how how awesome they are how, how delicious they are but you have to recognize if you give your pies away to everyone for free no matter what eventually you, uh, you one you stop running the bakery, but two it means you can no longer no longer make the pies right because you 're out of business uh, and so you have to recognize the business side of it that you are providing something of value as a speaker and so you have to get something of value in return return for the value you're providing. Now, having said that, uh, ideally, the thing that most of us want is I want to be able to go speak and the thing of value that I receive uh, in exchange is a check. Now, again, that's the goal. But there's other ways to receive value that don't involve a check. So let me give you some examples. Uh, and you touched on a few of them. So let's say that you offer some type of product or service. Uh, and so you go speak and you use speaking as lead generation for another part of your business. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was invited to speak at this conference in New Orleans. And uh, they weren't going to pay me anything. I was even going to have to pay my own travel. So as soon as I show up, I'm at a loss. I am I am in the hole for this event. Uh, but because of that event, I knew it was going to to be the right type of event. It was going to be a good fit for the type of uh, uh, audience that was going to be there for the type of work that I do. And so because of that, we picked up several uh, coaching and consulting clients. We sold uh, a few courses. Uh, and then also, I, I, I did a great job and word got back to the event planners like, man, I heard you you just crushed it. So he invited me to come back the following year to do the, the paid uh, closing keynote for that event. Uh, so I can look at that one event that on paper, I lost money, but I can trace tens of thousands of dollars in revenue to that one free engagement. So if you have some type of product or service, you can generate a lot of revenue that way. Uh, and otherwise, again, and beyond just whether or not you got to check. Other examples would be, uh, I may be willing to go speak at something for free or for a reduced fee uh, if I know that there's other event planners in the audience where I know that if I do a great job there's a, and they're looking for a speaker, there's a good chance that they're going to book me. Or for the client to be willing to refer me to other potential events. Or let's say that um, it's a big industry event and I know that there's going to be other speakers that I want to connect with or network with. Uh, or maybe it's, it's, a, it's a high profile event. And so I just know that the credibility, that the authority, that the recognition and prestige that I'm going to get by speaking at that is worthwhile. Uh, one of the things that you touched on, was, uh, if I know that I go speak at something, and I'm going to get good video footage out of it, or good pictures out of it, it's a cool venue that uh, is going to provide some cool social proof that may be worthwhile. Uh, let's say it's even just in a cool location. I mean, like I had a, a buddy recently who doesn't do a lot of speaking. Uh, he got invited to speak at something in, in Europe, uh, and they had a lower budget than what he would have liked for the time. But um, they said, hey, we we can we can fly your wife over with you. We'll give you several extra nights at the hotel, and so he was able to take a speaking engagement and turn in turn it into a European vacation. So all that to say, uh, I think it's it's not always as black and white as people want to make it. Of like, oh, you got a check or you didn't get a check, and if you don't get a check, you're not real. You're not a real speaker. You're not a professional speaker. The truth is, like, you can generate revenue uh, and value in a lot of different ways beyond just whether or not you got a check for an event. So again, speaking for free is okay as long as you know why you're doing it. You're doing something of value, you're providing something of value. And so you have to get something of value in exchange.
0: Now, if someone that's listening to this right now is kind of in that beginning stage, and I have someone in particular on my mind that continuously asks me questions about speaking, you know, if they're in that beginning stage, what do you feel like is your suggestion for them in regards to speaking? Now, personally, again, I would, or I have recommended that maybe they should start off with, you know, free gigs for, X amount of time until they can start building momentum until they can start building content Start putting together some sort of reel that shows. Hey, I am a speaker because I mean at the end of the day If people don't see you speaking, they're not going to think you're a speaker, right? That's just my opinion So i'm really curious what you would say or is like the quote-unquote blueprint for someone just starting out or someone that's looking to start speaking
1: Yeah. So inside this book, uh, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform, we walk through uh, exactly what our roadmap, our blueprint is for this. And so it makes the acronym speak. So let's do this. Let me give you just a high level view of it and then we can dig in wherever you want. Um, So again, it makes the acronym speak. So the S is for select a problem to solve. Select a problem to solve. This is the most important part is a speaker has to be really clear about who they speak to and what is the problem that they solve for that audience. The second part is the P, is prepare your talk. So once you're clear on this is who I speak to, this is the problem that I solve, then putting together what is the solution for that problem that you're going to be speaking on. Uh, the E is establish yourself as the expert. So this comes down to two things that you mentioned, your website and your demo video. You have to have these marketing assets in place if people, if you want people to consistently hire you, and especially if you want to be paid. The A is acquire paid speaking gigs. So having a system that you can follow Follow on a repeatable basis to consistently be able to find and book gigs. So we dig into a lot of different ways to do that. And then the K is know when to scale, know when to scale. And so for a lot of people who are interested in speaking, they're also probably interested in writing a book, or podcasting, or doing a course, or coaching, or consulting, or doing any number of things. And the reality is, is that you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. So something's going to come first, something's going to come last. So you have to be really clear for what are your goals and business and an entrepreneurship, and how does speaking fit into that? Meaning that. There are some speakers who want to do a hundred gigs a year and that's like basically a hundred percent of their income and revenue and that's fine and there's other speakers who say I don't want to do 100 gigs a year I've got other things going but I wouldn't mind doing you know five gigs a year uh, and, and, and speaking is just a smaller percentage of my business uh, that's also fine so it's not that one is better or worse than the other but you got to be really really clear for how speaking fits into your goals and what it is that you're trying to accomplish so big picture again that's kind of that speak framework that five-step roadmap that we cover uh, in depth inside uh, the book the successful speaker.
0: I love that and I love how you broke that down. So let's start with the S. Let's start with selecting a problem to solve. Now, my question about this is if someone's tuned into this right now and their experience is in let's just say marketing, but their passion lies within, within something else such as triathlon training and that's exactly what they want to be speaking about and speaking to, you know, triathletes and things of that nature. What's your suggestion in regards to that? Right, their experience lies within something else, but their passion is in a total different realm
1: yeah so let's dig into the two questions that you got to think through is, is who do you speak to and what's the problem that you solve the mistake that a lot of speakers make because we just enjoy speaking speaking is a lot of fun we want to do a lot of it uh, so the mistake is that we just say like I, I just who do I speak to I speak to people you know I speak to everybody I, I want to do as I want to do as much speaking as possible and what do I speak about well what do you want me to speak about I can speak about anything I can speak about you know marketing or uh, triathlon training I can speak about you know leadership and sales and and culture and uh, work-life balance and customer service and marriage and family Family. It's like yeah, you may know something about all those things, but you can't try to you can't try to market yourself as all those things. So one of the things that we talk about is that you want to position yourself as the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. What we mean by that is, you know, let's imagine you and I were going to go grab uh, a good steak and we got a choice. Like we could go to a steakhouse where uh, they do one thing or we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they do and they're all mediocre. So you want to be the steakhouse where like they, they don't do lasagna, they don't do tacos, they don't do pizza, they don't do any of these other things. They do one thing, but they're really, really good at that one thing. And by focusing on that one one thing it makes it it makes it easier to attract the right type of customers, but also repel the wrong type of customers. If you're a vegetarian, you're probably not going to the steakhouse because you know it's not right for you. Which is exactly what you want. You want it to be clear that this is who I help, this is who I serve, this is who I, who my message is for. And by by uh, contrast, like this is who it's not for. So it makes it easier for people to be able to find you. Because again, uh, it's counterintuitive. We think that the more audiences we can speak to, the more things we can talk about, the more opportunities we have. But that's not what people are looking for. They want you to. Be narrow. They want you to be focused. They want you to be clear on like, this is for me uh, and it's exactly what it is I'm looking for versus it feeling kind of like vague, like, eh, it's kind of for me, kind of for someone else. I'm not really sure if it's for me or not. You don't want to be positioned as that. Now to your question of, let's say that you 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 have experience in one thing, but you want to speak on something else. One thing that's also come down to Is uh, again, how does speaking fit into what your goals are? So if you said, okay, I want to speak, you know, a hundred times a year at ten thousand dollars a pop, and I want to speak on—I don't even want to speak just on on a triathlon training. I just want to speak on the swim portion of triathlon training, right? So like niche within a niche within a niche within a niche. So then my initial reaction is like, are there even a hundred opportunities that that pay speakers at the level you're trying to be at for something like that? So just because you're passionate about something, just because you care about something. Just because you want to speak about something, just because you have experience on something, doesn't necessarily mean that there are opportunities to talk about that. So you have to make sure that there's this alignment between what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, and what people are actually hiring speakers to talk about. But if you said, hey, I want to speak uh, on triathlon training and I want to do, you know, I don't know, five things a year locally um, and just kind of focus on that, then yeah, you could probably find five opportunities locally that you could, you know, that you could speak on. Uh, Again, depending on the, you know, the market that you are in or the geographically speaking. So, uh, so those are, again, a couple just uh, like big picture variables that you need to be thinking through. But to your question of like, all right, I've, I have some experience in marketing, but I also want to speak on this other thing. I would look for ways to think through like, how, how can they overlap? Are there opportunities for them to overlap? So if you, um, you know, I'm really passionate about triathlons, but I also have a lot of marketing experience. Are there opportunities to speak to the people who host um, who host triathlons about how they can better market their triathlons. Maybe they're phenomenal. Like, uh, Let's go back to the Baker Bakery analogy. They're, maybe they're phenomenal on the Baker side. They're great at putting on a triathlon. They suck at running the bakery. They suck at promoting the, the triathlon and getting the word out. But that's something that you know something about. So is there an opportunity there to speak to um, event planners and event organizers of triathlons about how they can draw, you know, more people to, uh, to their events, you know, so you may look to see if there's any type of overlap between the opportunities. What you don't want to do, though, is you don't want to try to create all of these different um, uh, ponds that you kind of play in, right? Meaning that, um, you know, I, I do, I, I, I speak about um, triathlon training and it's something I'm really passionate about. But then I have this marketing agency for graphic designers. But then also I do, you know, this thing for work-life balance for couples. And it's just like, all of a sudden it just becomes really, really disjointed and disconnected. So ideally, you want to be able to find some, some overlap between the things that you're doing so that they, they can all kind of feed each other.
0: Grant, you brought up kind of going deep within a niche. Is that something you suggest? Like, for instance, you brought up the example in regards to someone that wants to speak to triathletes and on the topic of triathlons, you said going even deeper to just the swimming aspect of it. Now, is that something that you would suggest? No because if you go too deep all of a sudden there's
1: like there's no there, there's no opportunities right right right. Um, uh, and so you have to you, you want to be the it's kind of like a, let's go back to the example of the steakhouse versus the buffet right you want to be the steakhouse, but if you say all we do is we serve you know six ounce portions of this one specific type of meat, and that's it uh like at that point you've probably gone too far um on the the narrow niche. Uh, category of like it's so it's so small and so obscure that it's almost hard to keep in business, right? So yes, you want to be um, you want to be the steakhouse, not the buffet, but don't you, you don't want to go too far with it where it's just um, kind of this obscure thing that nobody's hiring a speaker to talk about.
0: So what's your perspective on how many different types of topics you should be speaking on, right? It's kind of like, hey, I, per- I speak about personal branding and overcoming adversity. I'm not really speaking about how to build an eight-figure company, number one. I don't know how to yet. I haven't done that yet. Um, you know, so what's your take on that specifically? And I guess that kind of comes down to the P part in regards to preparing and delivering your talk.
1: Yeah. So uh, as far as like the number of different talks or topics that you speak on, again, I'd go back to the the steakhouse buffet. Like the, the more things you try to talk about, the more watered down it becomes. The other right. thing I found is that let's say you're like, man, I got, I got five different talks. Even if they're, let's say, let's take the the, the marketing perspective, right? or even let's go let's go different route let's go the the triathlon thing let's say you have five different talks about uh, you know triathlon training uh, that you'd speak at events for for triathletes about um, most likely i found in my experience you're really not going to you're not going to have all five booked you're going to have one maybe two of those those talks that are booked on a consistent basis. Because as a speaker, what you don't wanna do, if you are someone who is speaking on a regular basis, and regular meaning like you know a few times a year or um, you know, five, 10 times a year or more, then you don't wanna be creating a new talk every time you speak. You don't wanna be starting from scratch. That's, way, that's, that's a lot of work. Uh, and what you wanna try to do, is each time you speak, you're using, you know, a lot of the same material that each time you speak, you're getting better, you're getting that real time feedback from the audience It's being refined. And ultimately, it makes the talk better over time. Uh, and so each time you're giving a talk, if you're just staring at a blank screen going, okay, I got to start with something from scratch again, that's not what you're trying to do. It's kind of like, let's go back to the restaurant analogy. Uh, if, if you go to some nice restaurant, like I don't want um, the thing that the chef's like, yeah, we just kind of whipped this up earlier and just uh, hopefully it's good. Like I want the signature dish the thing that they've made hundreds, if not thousands of times. And they're like, this is so dialed in and perfect. Like I wouldn't change a single thing about it. That's what an event is looking for from you. They don't want some, you know, like here's some material I'm kind of testing out. But like they want like, no, no, here's like my best stuff on this subject or topic. So it's hard to have have, um, a whole bunch of talks that are really dialed in. I'd rather have one or two like really polished
0: solid talks than 10 that are all pretty mediocre. Exactly. I'm in the same boat. I absolutely... Totally agree with that. So the the elephant in the room here, and I know this is going to be the question people want to know the answer to. So I would love your opinion or perspective on it. Where are the paid gigs, right? And the reason why I don't feel like I'm the best at being able to give people this uh, this advice, and which is why I'm really excited to be able to amplify your message here today, is because all I did to be able to get gigs was put out content. I literally mm-hmm. got my first speaking engagement by putting out a LinkedIn article about um, three tips from turning an internship into a job with Damon John. You know, like that is what gave me my first speaking opportunity, which was unpaid and it was for 65 students. But then, you know, the trickle effect happened because I had pictures of me speaking. Then my alma mater contacted me, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious, where are these gigs at?
1: Yeah. So in the inside the book, we talk about seven different speaking industries um, that hire speakers. And there's again, there's a lot of different like subgroups and categories and niches within each of these, but big picture, I'll give you the overview uh, you have corporations, associations, uh, faith based in churches, nonprofits, government and military. Colleges and universities and education or K through twelve, so uh, elementary, middle school, high school, and and I know speakers in all those uh, who speak um who who speak to those those different uh, industries and audiences. Now, what you don't want to try to do is say, oh, I speak to all of them, right? That goes back (laughs) again to the 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 buffet thing of just like, well, man, I just want to speak to any any one of them. This is where you got to get again really clear on this is who I speak to and this is the problem that I solve versus trying to be all things for all people. Now, a, a couple things of like once you're clear on again on the of, of being clear on this is who I speak to this is what the, the problem that I solve um, there's a couple things you can do to just kind of like validate are there actually opportunities in the marketplace you know so one thing you ought to do is, uh, and again, some of this ties back to uh, your goals as a speaker. If you said, yeah, if I speak two, three, four times a year, that's really all I want to do. But, uh, and you could probably just sit back and maybe get a couple of things. Like you said, you know, I I posted an article or I mentioned it here or there, and I got a couple of things that fell in my lap. But if you said, no, I want to make speaking a big part of my business to whatever degree, then you got to be proactive. Like just because you make great pies doesn't mean you can just sit back and hope people magically find you. Like you got to, you got to put some work in there. Uh, And so, uh, so one of the things that you can do just to determine some opportunities that exist is, let's say you get clear on, all right, I know who I want to speak to. I would recommend just doing a quick Google search and seeing, are there other people who talk about that? Are there other speakers who are actively speaking on that? Who are like a step ahead, step or two ahead of you, not like light years ahead of you. So if you said like, okay, I want to be, be a motivational speaker. So... Let's see. Are there other... Yeah, Tony Robbins is doing that. So I'll just... If Tony's doing it, I can do it. Well, we're talking about two different things there. So look for people who are like a step or two ahead of you, who are speaking to the type of audience that you want to speak to uh, on a topic that you're interested in speaking about. The idea here is that you want to find other people who are doing something similar because it proves that there's opportunities, that there's a market there. If you're saying like, okay, I browsed around, I spent a couple of minutes and I can't find anybody who's doing this. Awesome, I'm going to be the first. No, 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 no. That's not what you're going for. If nobody's doing it, it's typically because there's no opportunities and people aren't hiring speakers to talk about that. So like we touched on earlier, again, just because you're passionate about it, just because you care about it, just because you think other people should care about it, doesn't mean that people are actually hiring speakers to talk about it. So you have to find that overlap between, again, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm interested in. And this is
0: what organizations and groups are actually hiring speakers to talk about. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And I appreciate that breakdown. But to transition here, I'm curious why you wrote this book at this point in your journey. Now, we could relate it to the last point, you know, knowing when to scale. Was that the reason or was there something deeper there? No, it, the, the book was a
1: a fun project. It's also, uh, it's a tradi- traditionally published book. So it was uh, a couple years in the making. Uh, I I was a professional speaker for uh, about 10 years or so and just had a, a ton of people who were asking me, hey, I want to be a speaker. How do I do that? Uh, and some people who, you know, who would come to me and people who are listening right now would say, I, you know, I want to do a couple gigs a year. And some people would say, I want to do a hundred gigs a year and everything in between. Uh, and so we wanted to take uh, what we had learned and, and put that into to book format. So yeah, it's a project we've been working on for a couple of years now, uh, uh, with the publisher uh, really really happy with how it turned out but we wanted to basically give people a a playbook a guide a handbook of here's what you need to follow here's what you need to do cuz I know for me when I got started speaking, I, I knew I was decent at speaking. Uh, and one of the things that we, we say a lot is, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Knowing, meaning that, like again, decent speaker, but uh, I, I just wasn't really sure. Like, but how do you actually book gigs? Like, how does this world work? You know. So, like you said, uh, it's one of those things where you you've had a couple of bookings that have fallen in your lap, or some word of mouth stuff, or some reper, per, some referral stuff, which is nice when it happens, but it also makes it really hard to reverse engineer. Like, how did I get those? I don't know. Like I wrote a blog post and then some stuff came out of that, which again is, is good when it happens, but it's hard to build a business based on that. And so we wanted to just really teach people and show people, uh, here's exactly the steps you need to take, the steps you need to follow to be able to consistently find and book gigs uh, to, to whatever degree you're wanting to do that.
0: Right. That's huge. That's huge. And I know a lot of people that are tuned into this are definitely going to want to be able to grab this book. So I'm going to make sure the link to where they can get it is in the show notes of this episode. But one last question on the topic of the book. If someone could only take one thing away from this book, what would you want that one thing to be and why?
1: Yeah, I'd say um, I'd say one part of it is going to be what we covered on the select problem to solve. I think that's the part where people just get hung up. Is there's like, man, I just want to, I just want to speak, so I'll just, I'll just be the buffet. It's like that just doesn't work at all, and so you end up coming back to square one. So the more clear, the more narrow, the more focused you are, uh, the more the easier it becomes to actually find gigs. The other thing I would say was just like across the board, uh, as a as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, the things that we cover, that we talk about, the plan that we lay out it is simple, but it's not easy. Simple, but it's not easy. So it's kind of like, you know, if you wanted to lose, if you wanted to lose five pounds, what do you got to do? You got to do two things. I'm no health expert. I'm no dietitian or, you know, fitness wizard, but I know you got to do two things. You got to pay attention to what you eat and you got to exercise. And that's pretty much it. It is really simple, but it's not easy. And so the same thing is true for becoming a speaker, for starting a business is everything that we outlined to do. It is simple, but it's not easy. It will show you what to do. We will tell you exactly what to do. You can be successful as a speaker, but... Just reading a book, just listening to a podcast does squat for you. You have to implement it. You have to apply it. You have to take action on it. So if you do anything, I want you to, to take what we've been covering, take what we've been talking about, take what you hear on these episodes, and do something with it. Uh, don't just like nod your head and just be like, oh yeah, I'll get to that someday. Like, If you're serious about being a speaker, if you're serious about being an entrepreneur, serious about seeing success in whatever form, you have to take action on it. You have to do something with it rather than just listening and absorbing and not doing anything.
0: Right. And that's exactly what I call getting mentally fat, right? You know, you are taking in all the information and uh, next thing you know, you're not applying it and it's just there in your brain, right? So I I definitely appreciate you sharing that and providing that reminder to all of us that are tuned in. So Grant, let's transition here. I want to respect your time. I got three more questions for you. This is always how we end the show. You've given us a ton of advice thus far in the speaking world and relationships and success and in life in general. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, best piece of advice. Um, I'd say a big thing we kind of touched on this earlier is, is to just enjoy the journey. You know, I think, uh, I think it's easy, you know, you and I are, are guys that are motivated, that are driven. We want to hustle. We want to be successful to whatever degree. Um, and I think it's easy to, to really become like, uh, all consumed with that. You know, again, like we, we kind of touched on, uh, and you kind of miss out on the point of just like, and just t- take a deep breath, chill out it's all good it's gonna be fine uh, and just just enjoy the journey like i I try to be incredibly incredibly grateful and thankful for uh where i'm where i'm at today and um Uh, That balance of being content, but also not complacent and not just trying to coast, but uh, enjoying and recognizing like, all right, I want to build something. I want to be successful, but I also want to just like stop and and take a deep breath and be like, man, life is really, really, really good. So uh, I'd say that's a big thing is just uh, enjoying the journey.
0: I love that. Now, let me ask you the reverse of that question. What's a piece of advice that was given to you that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time?
1: Uh, I don't know that there's like a specific phrase, but one thing that I've noticed is that success takes time. Like, um, so I think about like whether it's uh, being successful as a speaker or as an entrepreneur or anything, like we just, we want these fast action results. And the reality is, is like, you just, you got to put in the work and it just is going to take time. So, um, you know, and again, this isn't exclusive to just speaking or entrepreneurship. This is anything. Like if we go back to like the health example, if you said you want to lose, you know, 30 pounds or whatever, like, uh, you can do that. Uh, but it's not like, okay, I made the decision. I'm going to lose 30 pounds then tomorrow's just gone. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you still right. got to put in the effort and it's just going to, it's going to take a minute. You can do it and it'll, and you can absolutely get there. It's just going to take a minute, you know? So the, the gym that I worked out at, There's a guy there that I met recently who uh, who uh, has lost over 100 pounds. I'm like, how do you lose 100 pounds? Like one pound at a time. It's it's not like, man, dude, I just uh I uh I I I stopped eating cheeseburgers one day and then it just fell off. Like no, like it's one pound at a time of a lot of little decisions and having a long term perspective that this isn't going to happen magically overnight just because I want it to. Like you 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 got to do the work and and have that long term perspective in mind.
0: Right. A hundred percent. And listen, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to one simple word, which is willingness, right? You need to have the willingness to um, be disciplined enough to be able to achieve all of these things. So I definitely appreciate that reminder. Now, last question for you, Grant, if you could only give one universal piece of advice for the rest of your life from here on out, only one piece of advice that's universal to all, what would that be?
1: I'd go back to what we talked about earlier, that uh, who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. You know, at the uh, I know people are going to be listening to this at all different times. At the time of this recording uh, that you and I are talking, you know, we're a couple of days removed from the the tragic passing of, of Kobe Bryant. Um, and you know, Kobe, we we think of uh, as a as a basketball player and as a as an entrepreneur and all the different things that you know he had he has done and accomplished in the world. But uh, the the thing that really resonated with me. Um, is just hearing how much like he loved his girls, and I'm a dad of three girls. He's a dad of, of of had four daughters, and uh, and so just hearing that side of like, yes, he's successful in these different ways that we think of him as, but more than that, like the guy loved being a father. The guy loved being a husband. Deeply cared about his family and and the the people that he uh, loved most in his life. And I think like that's the thing that's most significant because all of his um. Uh, you know, all of his accomplishments on the court, off the court, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but like now that life is over, like you can't, you can't do anything with those, you know, um, doesn't matter how many points he scored or how many minutes he played, but um, the relationships, the people he loved, the people he cared for, uh, the people he impacted, like that's something that that lives on and, and is, is I think truly what, you know, what, what he wants to, that legacy to be. So, um, you know, I show that just as an example of like, Obviously, this is, at the, again, at the time of this recording, this is all super fresh um, and, and just a, a horrible, horrible situation. But I think that's a, you know, an example of, again, that's a guy who, uh, who he was, the life that he lived is, was more important than what he accomplished on or off a of basketball court.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's a great example. And I definitely appreciate that. Obviously, a very tragic loss. I mean, I'm, I'm a 90s baby. So growing up yeah. on Kobe was w- what we did. I was influenced yep. by Alan Iverson. I wore my headband backwards when I was yeah. playing from my elementary school. I tried taking fadeaway threes but like yep. Kobe was yep. doing, you know? So, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, it's insane. But I definitely appreciate everything you've dropped here, Grant, all the value you've provided. Where are you hanging out most on social? I'm going to make sure not only is the book in the show notes, but also all your social links, the website, all that good stuff. So where are you hanging out most? Because our community likes to engage with whomever we bring on this show.
1: Yeah, I'm on a, on Instagram at g baldwin, uh, and then Twitter's Grant Baldwin, Facebook's Grant Baldwin. So yeah, wh- wherever you are, come find me. Uh, if people want to find out more about what we are up to in terms of the speaking stuff, uh, all of that is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. The book info is at thespeakerlab.com slash book and uh, the book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform
0: is out in uh, bookstores everywhere and Amazon and wherever you buy your books. I love it. Grant, again, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for hopping on here. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, from my guy, Grant Baldwin. Grant, shout out to you, my man. I really appreciate you hopping on here, dropping all this value, not even just about speaking, but about success, about life, about relationships and beyond. Really, really do appreciate it. And I want to dive into three points that really, really stood out to me during this episode. And as I always say, it's rather difficult to only pick three. But the first one is understanding who you are is greater than what you do. I think that is forgotten so damn often. Who you are as an individual is way more fucking important than your job title. It is way more important than what's in your Instagram bio. And I really, really think this is forgotten on so many levels in today's day and age. So Grant, I appreciate you sharing that brother. And secondly, you need to get specific. We hear this all the time when it comes to our goals, when it comes to our clients, same thing goes for literally everything. Hey, you want to find your significant other, get specific in what you're looking for. There is a plethora of ways to get specific and it's in so many different areas of your life if you want to fix your problems get specific on what those root causes are right the list really goes on so seriously get specific with whatever it is in life lastly understanding that results take time this is number three and it's not basic at all like success takes time there's no overnight success we hear it over and over and over again but Personally now, it's something I want to hear over and over and over again, mainly because it's a great reminder, right? The minute I heard this while editing this episode, a weight came off my shoulders. It was like, dude, you've been pressing forward, pressing forward, pressing forward, pushing for result, pushing for result, pushing for result, and you're getting them. Are you where you want to be in life? Maybe not, but that's okay because it takes time time it really does and I wanted to make sure that you are reminded of that as well so again Grant I appreciate you dropping these three points let's just talk about them again who you are is greater than what you do get specific in all areas of your life and understand that results take time you can connect with Grant through the links in the show notes of this episode grab his book you could do so there reach out to him on the gram wherever you feel comfortable doing so until next time everyone be blessed peace